What's going on? You are listening to Don't At Me with Justin Simeon, and I gotta say, I'm really, 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 really excited to be having this conversation. I'm joined by Cheryl Dunyer, who is an amazing filmmaker um, and has the distinction of being the first black lesbian to ever make a feature film in 96, mm. which is Cray, uh, right? the, the watermelon woman. I'm talking to her right after the theme song. You know, so many people are standing on your shoulders and don't even realize it. <laughs> well, 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 I don't know about that, but yes. No, it's yes, true. It's true. I'll, I'll let it be true. You got to own it. I'm going to take legacy at where I can. So for people who don't know, who need to be educated, talk to me about your come up. Talk to me about mm. Watermelon Woman. Just like give me the give the me little, the story. The DL, yeah, the give me, yeah, give me the tea. It's all open public. Um, <laughs> but first off, I want to say thank you for having me here oh at God, this moment. Pleasure. I mean, thankful for these moments where we do intersect and we do collaborate and we do... Um, you know, take up that space that's ours because yeah. this is our space too. And I think we somehow hide in the margins, but from margin to center, that's mm -mm. our path. Come on we're, now, no we're longer with each other. So you know, praise be to that. Um, <laughs> praise yeah. the ancestors. Praise the ancestors, <laughs> the aliens, all the things that we need to be past, present, and future. Um, yeah. So the watermelon woman was you know my big feature, but um, I was born in Liberia to an African father, a Liberian dad, and an African-American mother. And my dad got into a car accident the same week that I was born, so I had both parents in the hospital. But wow. my mom was like, oh, we're going back to Philly. <laughs> and so when we left, it was the late 60s, and the heat was on. Mm. And so a lot of my life had been being an immigrant to something in the African-American community, which I think people, you know, the blackness comes in many different yeah. shades and, and colors and storylines. But um, navigating the 70s with an African father and African-American mother in Philly, which is a really black city, was very interesting, mm -hmm. you know, and wanting that immigrant thing, though my mother was the American and knew what to do, and being from Philly, I was watching everybody. I was watching yeah. black people in Philly. I was watching white people. I was watching race politics. I was watching it all. I was watching a lot of TV, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, so um, all those things kind of get molded together. And by high school, which was in the early 80s, I knew I was queer. Yeah. And I knew that I had stories to tell. Mm -hmm. um, and I knew I wanted to make an impact. And it was like, you know, beginning of Reagan. I wanted to be queer, found the only place I thought lesbians were, which was Michigan for some reason, because <laughs> of the Michigan Women's Music Festival. Listen, so I, I've known a few. I've right? known a few lesbians from Michigan. Detroit, at least. But yeah. I was in Lansing. <laughs> okay. So, but, you know, it's, it's, it's another... You know, just cause. Yeah. So I ended up in Lansing, Michigan at Michigan State University for two years, and I hightailed it out of there and went back to Philly and went to Temple, which mm -hmm. has a wonderful um, film program and legacy and great city to... And were you out at this point? Oh, I w I've never been in. Come on, Cheryl. Right? You better, you I've better stay I mean, out. the only thing I came out of was my mother. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if we could say this on the cast here, but that's it. I yeah. mean, I've never... I'm one of those gold stars, as they Good say. for you. <laughs> Um, but, you know, the story goes on and, you know, I, I funk my way around Philly and funk my way through Temple and figure out that, you know, I want to make an impact. I want to tell yeah. stories with this medium, which was at that point video cameras mm -hmm. and, you know, 
looking for myself in film mm-hmm. and and video was very i mean it was um what portrait of jason mm-hmm. was something that i saw and i was just like oh no we can't be depicted that way right who's making it how is it made you know what were the circumstances so it was almost like it 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 feels like it almost started a little political for mm-hmm. you it was like you're watching you're watching culture on tv and in films you're like where the fuck am i where am i yeah like, how, like what? what's going on? I mean, mm-hmm. there's a Cosby show. I mean, you see all these advances slightly of, of blackness. And, and we all identify with characters on TV and media and whatnot. And there was just none that held me. Yeah. You know, hence where sort of intersectionality comes in as something that people take on politically. You know, the lit people of color and, and our allies really talk about how our identities can be mixed and mm-hmm. intersected around a whole bunch of things. But, you know, I think that was really the moment where I realized, like, I'm, a, I'm about a lot of stuff and I don't <laughs> fit in this sort of black straight box. I don't fit in the white lesbian feminist box. Mm-hmm. You know, I have to invent my own box. Yes. And, and I have to put myself out there. Mm-hmm. So that's when I really started turning the camera on myself. I, I graduated from Temple. And I thought, like, I ain't going to school. Yeah, I'm, I'm done. Yeah. And then they dangled a fellowship in front of me at Rutgers in the fine arts. Get an MFA, mm-hmm. studio practice, two years, anything you want, take it. And I was like, hell no. I don't mm-hmm. want to do it. And they're like, we'll pay for it and pay you. I'm like, oh, where do I sign? Well, done. I'm done. Well, I'm done. I, I, <laughs> twist my arm. <laughs> twist it hard. And they're like, so I studied with, like, painters and sculptors and, you know, I quote unquote have a studio practice mm-hmm. in the sense so I was able to think. And that's where mm. Janine came out of. And that was the first short film that I uh, made or short video where I just sat down the, the the you know in front of the camera with my partner at the time running it behind me, Gail, and told the story about this white girl that I had a crush on in high school named mm. Janine Sorelli. Mm-hmm. And then I used all my own pictures uh, from that relationship to tell the story about wow. um, meeting her, uh, how I had the crush on her what her family thought of me, how I felt like an outsider. And what oh, year is this? 1989, 1990. Okay, this is, it was so crazy. Like, did you know you were more courageous than normal? Like, did you realize that what you were doing? Or was it just like a natural impulse? Like, what was it? It was sort of impulsive. I mean, in the sense of looking at, say, something like Portrait of Jason, uh-huh. where, you know, some characters sitting down in front of the camera speaking. Yeah. And then having been blessed to work with Michelle Parkerson, at, um, who's a documentary filmmaker at Temple, should be one of the most well-known African-American lesbian um, documentarians. Mm-hmm. And then there was Marlon Riggs's work, and, you know, I became, I'm from Philly, so I knew Essex and Joe Beam, and, you know, AIDS was happening. You know, there's courage to be had mm-hmm. by who you are just standing with. There, mm-hmm. You know, that's when black gay bodies were invisible and falling to the ground. Mm-hmm. And somebody who I became really close to was Essex Empill, who was just like, just do it, mm-hmm. you know, just just do it. And who is who is this? For people Essex Hemphill is a black gay poet who has passed away, and he worked with Marlon Riggs, who's a black gay uh, experimental video artist, sort of the father of 
like a filmmaking mm-hmm. in a way in in video and television. And he wrote Conditions, which is a wonderful uh, collection of his poetry. He had HIV. He was speaking about it. He was in that group of Asado Saints, just, you know, that sort of Joe Beam, black activism and poetry and writing being used to create visibility and art mm-hmm. in the late 80s, early 90s. And Michelle Parkinson was working with them, too. Yeah. So I got turned on to, to that group of people. And um, Essex said to me, you know, Cheryl... When you get made a token, what do you do with that token? You put it in the bus and Honey, ride. you put it in the bus and ride. You put it in the bus and ride Come as on. far as you can, you know? I love that. So love when that. Essex said that, and I was still, like, forming what I was going to do, and I was thinking about, like, all my elements, and, you know, Essex, you know, got HIV, and then he had HIV, and then he got AIDS, and then he died, and his parents... You know, did not want him to be known as a black gay poet when Mm -hmm. he died. So they said he got an ammonia and they would not let, you know, Uh, one of those stories. Yeah, sure. But he affected so many people in his writing. And poetry is a great source for anybody coming up, in particular us, because it's playing with words, it's playing with images. So it was really a wonderful thing to to meet all those folks. Yeah. And meet performance artists who are working with them and meet... Um, so, so you never had, like, a sense of, like, the gatekeeper or, like, I'm not mm-hmm. allowed to... Because you're... I, and this is me extrapolating, but, like, you're surrounded by people who are just out here doing it. Right. And so you, that's so that's amazing. Yeah, the sisters <laughs> doing it for I mean, ourselves. that's amazing because, yeah. you know, when I was doing Dear White People, I was, I was constantly thinking about, like, ain't nobody looking for this. No mm. one's looking for this. Oh, my God, what am mm. I going to do? And what is so... I remember seeing Watermelon Woman... And thinking, like, it was like a little revolution in my brain. Mm. Like, oh, you can just be this honest. Mm -hmm. You don't have to always couch it in a thing. Like, you, and and we'll talk about the film in a little bit, but, like, Mm -hmm. you just kind of went for, you went for, like, your, like, your just gut instincts as a fellow queer filmmaker Mm -hmm. to see somebody do that. It really was like a little, like, like a space opened up in my head. And it was like, oh, you Mm. can, you can do that, you know? I don't know that I have your courage even now, but... You know, that's that's just phenomenal that that's the milieu out of which it came. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, you know, a lot of people's embodiment. I didn't know it alone because I think it's collaboration. Mm-hmm. So that's why The Watermelon Woman has uh, Toshi Reagan and it mm-hmm, has, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. our people, Sarah Shulman, you know, whatever, our allies and, and friends. I wanted to put what I was seeing on the streets in my cultural, you know, background and my community in my work, um, you know. Uh, Jaguar Mary X, who was Jocelyn Taylor. Um, I had worked with Pam Sneed. So I wanted to highlight black queerness, black lesbian gay community mm-hmm. at the point that was called, in my work. Why can't we be the soundtrack to our own things? And if I'm going to have this moment to put it all together, bring it. You know, Brian Freeman, Pomona for Homos. Just bring us all together mm. um, to do the music, to do the score. I just was like, this is it. This Orchestrate with what we have. Mm-hmm. Um, why not? Yeah. And, and and just for again for people who don't know, first of all, Watermelon Woman is on Filmstruck right now. I watched it over the weekend again. Uh, as it, it, you know, I, it's it was part of like the Pride Month, you know, mm-hmm. lesbian cinema, whatever. Uh, so like, there's no if you haven't seen it, you got to see the movie. Thank you. But I'll just give my like you know elevator pitch. Okay, it's basically okay. a version of you, mm-hmm. Cheryl, <laughs> yes, Cheryl, working at a video store um, and obsessing over. This sort of nameless actor in an, one of those old, you know, 
I'll, I'll say mammy pictures. Yep, you know, say the word. You know, know ba- back right. in the day when pretty much every black person on screen was a servant of some kind, uh, your character falls really like. It falls in love in a way with this char- with this woman who is just named the watermelon woman, and in sort of and there's it's, it's a dual story. So like while you are investigating this person and 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 uncovering all this like secret lesbian black Hollywood history, you're also in a interracial relationship, mm-hmm. and you know it's so it's both slice of life and this sort of look back at the past. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and it's mixed media. And again, if you haven't seen it, it's just, oh, it's phenomenal. So go see it. But I'm just curious, like, what, what was, what was like the, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm getting the milieu out of which it came, right? Mm-hmm. But like, what was the spark? Like, what was the thing about it? Was it, was it about tracing the past? Was it about representing your present? Like, what was the thing that made you go like, oh, mm. fuck, I got to do, th- I got to do this movie and I got to do it this way? Mm. Yeah, that's, you know, really a fierce question because <laughs> Fiercity Jones was laying Listen, there. I try, ready I try to, to pull ask it all together. questions. Fierceness, fierce. <laughs> um, I, you know, you only get, you know, you, you, you only have one life to live. Mm-hmm. Melodrama, you know, whatever it might be. And you got to live it to its fullest. Um, you get one moment to do your craft. And once you kind of get to do that, you'll be freed up to do the next thing. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, let me put everything that I'm about. You know, I went to art school, you know, I got my MFA, so I know about about, about black film history and queer, new queer cinema was happening at this time, and there was none of us in that. So I was like, okay, let's look for a black lesbian film star and let me sort of play with her story. Mm -hmm. There was none. Mm-hmm. You know, look through all the black film books. There was none. Tom mm-hmm. Scoons, Malos, Mammies and Bucks, and Bull Daggers. There was no Bull Daggers there. Which, by the way, <laughs> put a little... Ear- We're about to talk about that book. Okay, okay? right. But continue. Mr. Bogle. Listen, I've been rereading. Go ahead. Okay. I mean, it's you, you look through the past because yeah. there's so many images that we don't get to see anymore, really, because that's not what's being programmed on late night television mm-hmm. or AMC sometimes because there's a lot of black film history that's very queer. It's about who's queering it and who wants to hold on to it and who wants to talk about it or who wants to qualify it as real media and and real filmmaking as opposed to, you know, silent separate cinema. Mm -hmm. And then you get a ton of white gay history Mm -hmm. in film. And so I looked through that and there was nothing. Mm -hmm. So I was like, I have a free license to make up something. Yeah. Because you know, you know they were there. They were there. We've always been here. Yeah, they've always been here. Yeah. And nobody is. I mean, and then there was Harlem Renaissance mm-hmm. and oh, you know, sure. how people get to look at that and, and just the potential of 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 me reaching the screen with our storytelling and the potential of being out, but having to kind of keep quiet. And you know, we have Bessie stories. We have tons of stories that we've all explored. You know, in the queer Hollywood mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. But I was just like, I and I need to do it with my art. And I need to collaborate with my community. Mm-hmm. So that talking head format, playing with the narrative, really, uh, you know, putting the two in one really allowed me to do it. And then to put the little cherry on top, mm-hmm. I said, I'm in an interracial relationship right now. Mm-hmm. Let's look at what that looks like mm-hmm, in the past. Mm-hmm, Let's mm-hmm. look at those collaborative teams, those exploitations, those, you know, white privilege, uh, satisfying your lover uh, of, of color, agency, and mm-hmm. all those sort of things. But I wasn't thinking about it too much, but I did want to put a 
you know, let that out in in the dynamic of what was happening in the narrative film. Mm -hmm. What happens when a black lesbian who is in her own world meets a white lesbian who has a different level of privilege but wants mm -hmm. to intersect and has a different a different understanding of her history of her history yeah and her her i think she didn't you know, the way i wrote um the character the white lesbian character i don't think she necessarily knew her white privilege i don't mm -hmm. think we were talking about it in the same way at that point diana was constructed in a different way really playing off of the dynamic that I was experienced in New York and Philly at the time where Alex Juhas, who was the producer who plays Martha Page in the pictures mm -hmm. and, um, you know, was my partner at the time. She was the one to stand on the street to get the cab, mm -hmm. you know, because mm -hmm. I would not get a cab when I go by. So just simple wow. things like that. She, you know, was able to have credit, you know, wow. and I was still like, you know, not getting did, credit. Did you, get a, did you get a lot of shit for that relationship? Well, I think when the film first came out, the black lesbian community in New York that I was sort of slightly, you know, knowing mm -hmm, and dealing with because mm -hmm. I was living between Philly and New York. They were like, this is not a black lesbian film. I was like, hello. Yes, it is. Because it's an interracial life. relationship. It has to be all black. Yes. And so. Because that's reality. That's the only version of reality that exists. Exactly. <laughs> and so there was. Don't a, at me. Don't at me. There we go. Don't at me to say that, you know, you, black lesbianism is has to look one way. Yeah. It's, it's a very plural. And I'm talking about a sort of intersection of. Many things, and I want to have a conversation about mm -hmm. it. Both of us do. Mm -hmm. Let's hear about global experiences, how we use each other, and within the country at the time, which was, you know, the way it is now. But, you know, I think it's now. It's a little worse. But don't at me about that either. Mm -hmm. We'll get to that. Uh, right. We'll get to that. So, you know, it was really reflecting my personal life as political, you know, the Audre Lordism and the legacy of sort of look at the great black artists that exist in stage and screen now and then who do have white partners, who do have partners of a different race mm -hmm. and what collaborations, what, you know, S they get because they are in interracial relationships. I mean, even look at say it playing out in Gronish mm -hmm. about, you know, why are black women not being dated and this and this. So mm -hmm. the conversation is there about how we desire, who we desire and how we love. And so the film really is on that in the narrative portion in the 16 millimeter part mm -hmm. of it. I mean, that was 16 at that point. And but in, in the video, it was about looking at that in the past through Hollywood and, 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 and queerness and, and imagery. And why do you think, why did you and why did you in the movie, <laughs> why do you think you needed to find a watermelon woman mm. in the past? Like, why was that important? I think I wanted to find somebody who was trying to integrate their art, their passion, their politics, and not have shame about it. Mm. And not have a double consciousness that was an easy path for them, or it was a difficult path. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to find a story of a life that lived, that navigated through whatever they wanted to deal with. And trying to, you know, walk up to that door, open it, go through and go through the next one, and letting them go on this journey. Yeah, The watermelon woman ended up in a, a relationship with an African-American woman at the end of her life, who was played by Cheryl Clark, the mm -hmm. wonderful black lesbian mm -hmm. poet. And then, you know, she passed away. But um, she dated a, a white woman director, and mm -hmm. that was in her past. And, you know, is there regret? Is there not regret? Was there empowerment? There, you know, w what was going on? But we need to know 
that we existed in those narratives as well as we existed in a strong Southern all-black gay narrative or yeah. a strong Southern uh, um, Northern black lesbian narrative. I mean, or with an Asian person. Or I mean, we need to know that we existed and it was okay and that we can see ourselves and and use that in a positive way to have dialogue or move on. And, and also, I think, to add to that, to know that, you know, whatever we are is not some anomaly that began, you know, 50 mm-hmm. years ago. Like, mm-hmm. it, it's always been there, even if people haven't talked about it. Um, do you feel some type of way about finding yourself or finding this person in the form of a mammy, or mm. I, was she technically a mammy? I guess she was a she mammy. She played a mammy in films. Yeah, 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 so yeah. Of course, not. Become, I mean, mammy yeah. in real life is—I mean—that's a cartoon character. Right. But like, you know, right? She played a mammy in films. Like, what is that? A how is that make you feel complicated in any way? It does. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, if you look at who is doing sort of mammy work now, mm-hmm. the Invisibles, the Undocumented, the the you know working poor who are people of color. Mm -hmm. We talk about them in a class way. We don't talk about them in a gendered way. Mm -hmm. I mean, we we don't talk about that Mm -hmm. at all. We just talk about, you know, make sure the house is clean or take care of my kid. We don't Mm -hmm. even see what lives they have. Mm -hmm. So it was important for me because I believe in that class is as important, if not even more important than than race mm. right now. We need to really deal with class as a thing that we all can talk about because it, it's the one, I mean, we're living in a, a country that's capitalist that rights are being taken away from everybody mm-hmm. and it's all about the dollars and mm-hmm. it's all about the labor that we do and that we're allowed to do and we not do. Mm-hmm. Um, so looking at everybody dealing with that and that it's, you know, it's a face of a variety of shades and colors and sexualities, let's get over it. Mm-hmm. We're, you know, this, our labor is not being qualified in the right way. Mm. Um, It's being gendered, it's being raced, it's being erased. Mm -hmm. So we definitely need to get over fighting over peanuts and saying, I support um, my, you know, Mexican American or Asian American queer person, whatever they are, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. in the struggle to... We're all immigrants at that point. And we all are Americans if we want to be Americans. Mm -hmm. At this point, people... I I would question why you want to be an American anyway, because it doesn't mean so much. Mm -hmm. And we all have the rights to not be homeless on the street. We Mm -hmm. all have the rights to choose who we want to sleep with and how we want to... It should be everybody's privilege to live, love, and prosper uh, on this time that we're on this planet. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. We should not have to struggle in America or globally. Right. So, you know, in the humanist way, I think we need to kind of get over our infighting, you know, step out, especially people who are in the position of being of color or queer or whatnot, like we are, like what mm-hmm, you're doing. And mm-hmm. I think all of the work that, you know, our colleagues are doing who are queer or color is is putting ourselves out there and bringing others like us in and making possibilities happen for either image-wise to see ourselves so we can bust out of the bubble mm-hmm, of, mm-hmm. of our limited selves visibly or financially. Like, let's hire, like, Ava and mm-hmm. others. Mm-hmm. Let's hire queers to be mm-hmm. in our crews. All right, so listen, <laughs> you have been listening and hopefully getting your life as I have to Cheryl Dudier. I will be right back. This is Justin. Don't at me. 
Thank you for listening to this KCRW podcast. In case you don't know us, KCRW is public radio in Los Angeles, bringing the best of NPR to Southern California. We're also known for our own brand of bold and innovative programming, evocative storytelling, taste-making music, and audio documentaries that are little movies for your ears. You can join our community to support this show and others, or make a one-time donation just to say thank you. Find out more at kcrw.com slash join. And we're back. You know, you're talking about we got to stop fighting over people. We got to stop squabbling. Oh, we have to unite. Yes. And and the thing that I'm personally, as an artist, reconciling is, you know, uh, watching your film, you see this person that you've desperately needed to see in the past, and they are stuck in this stereotypical mammy role, right? Um, and I've been rereading this book. Uh, it's Tom Coons' Bucks and Mammies. Tom's Coons' Mulattoes. Mulattoes. You got, got to forget I always mulattoes. forget one. I always forget one. <laughs> you know who those mulattoes are right now. <laughs> Mammies and Bucks. Yes. And bucks. I love that. Bucks. And, uh, <laughs> you know, basically what he's talking about is there's... Donald Bogle. Yeah. Donald Bogle. Um, I mean, this is a book that I remember reading in high school. It was like my first sort of like, oh, minstrelsy in black. It was mm-hmm, my introduction mm-hmm, to that. Mm-hmm. Um, and... The thing that's interesting about the way he writes about it, because, you know, I think back then when I was, like, doing a term paper or something, I'm just looking for references. Now I'm, like, really reading it cover to mm-hmm. cover. And one of the things I think is so interesting about it is that these – there are representations of us in the culture that are peeving. You know what I'm saying? So, like, the idea of a mammy, the sort of sexless, servant, good-natured, jolly, black, fat woman or whatever – you know, it, for a while, that's all we could play. Mm-hmm. And so naturally, there's this resentment to those character types, right? But we see it time and time again where these st- these so-called stereotypes appear in movies in modern days and black people go and see them and eat them up. And there's this, like, resentment among artists about how to represent ourselves. But I have to say, I'm coming around. I'm changing mm-hmm. my mind on this mm-hmm. because – and, you, and your, your movie sort of seeing it in the context of right now – is one of the reasons why, the other reason why I was reading this book. But what he pointed out is that, like, you know, so uh, Cabin in the Sky, I just mm-hmm. rewatched that mm-hmm. as well. Great. And, you know, the movie is filled, everyone is playing a type. Everybody. <laughs> Everybody. I mean, there's Zip Coon and, and Picking. I mean, it's so strict, the types. But at the time, it was the first and really only opportunity for black people to see themselves played by black people. Mm-hmm. And for white audiences to hear, frankly, how much better we sound when we sing and how like soulful we are when we dance Mm -hmm. and how amazing our music is and our culture is. And and it is couched in this so-called problematic stereotype, but... People saw themselves in in those in that stereotype. Exactly. People continue to see themselves in some of these stereotypes. And who am I as an artist to sort of decide again, like what blackness is? Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't get to tell a person who sees themselves in something, don't see yourself in that. Right. Like that's not. That's that's just another form of division. Like if you know, listen, I, I, listen. We're on this podcast. This is the first time y'all gonna hear me say this word. <laughs> but you know, me and my black friends, we'll talk about things like, ah, oh, that's some nigga shit. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And we'll talk. The reason we're saying that is because the way we talk, the what we mean is like, oh, this movie or this show, it's not for us. It's for it's for the nigga. It's for right. it's for like it's for the people who don't know better. Right. But right. that is so awful. It is so awful. <laughs> that's an right. awful sentiment to have because there are people who need to see themselves in all the spaces. Shades of blackness. And they, for to say that we as a 
it's classist. Yes, it is cla- it's it's classist. It's classist within blackness. Blackness, yeah, yeah. And um, it's so it's a hard line to navigate as it a is. cultural producer mm-hmm. to what what. Uh, how do I integrate and how do I speak to all of blackness yeah. when I create my work? And or, or am I just going to make uh, you know comedy blackness mm-hmm. that's stereotypical stereotypes? Tom Coons, Malazanian Box. How can you use that? And how can you use that to bring in everybody to mm-hmm. have a, a dialogue within all the stratas of blackness and all the shades and where blackness has you, you where you claim your blackness? Yeah, because there's people who claim blackness who aren't you know. Skin black, black, you right. know. So it's it's a very complicated thing, but we have these stereotypes, as we have stereotypes in narrative, yeah, and genres. You know, you, you know, you have your hero stories, you have your, you know, um, superhero stories. Mm-hmm. Now you have your, you know, melodrama stories. You have your rom com stories. I mean, the girls trip is just you know Pineapple Express mm-hmm. with you know whatever it is, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So. We do have genre. We do want to put ourselves in there. We can't escape the mechanism of the you know how a book is open, read left to right. Sure. We have to use that. We have to but use, we have the to way use it smartly, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And we mm-hmm. have to use it strategically. And we can't completely point fingers. Or if we're pointing fingers, it's going to be to the next direction. Again, it's going to be how to get on that bus and go further. Yes. And I think that's why we need to not just take things in we need to dissect them and use them Mm -hmm. to our advantage and i think that's what's so wonderful about your work is that you know especially with your white people the the movie and the series you're constantly cutting through looking at blackness playing on black comedy playing on the now pushing it to the next level Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's and and inviting a conversation around a whole new generation of young black people and older black and black audiences let's have this kind of dialogue because the truth is it's complicated Mm -hmm. you know i'll put on the housewives or whatever when i'm at the end of a long day (laughs) but when i'm sitting down to watch something like a you know a film or a a show or something i expect to be able to interact with it Mm -hmm. and and i have it's pleasurable it's it's a it's a better way to watch something Mm -hmm. and you know I, i fear that we're losing that ability. Right. You know? Right. There's not a lot of visual pleasure in narrative cinema, which is another book that, Mm -hmm. you know, having been the, um, I've been for the last, um, you know, up until this moment, working in the academy, teaching about cinema as well as making it. So, you know, having a big knowledge about cinema. And I think that's the problem right now, too, is like young people don't have anything before, you know, a, a, a sense of film history beyond a retweet and a ref, you know, a Googled picture. Yes. Like you need to go down the rabbit holes, girlfriends and boyfriends and theys and thems. You need to go and check out, you know, it's, it's, it's not the first time it happens. There's a legacy. There's a bigger reference. Need to find out the truth before you speak all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And especially if you're going to put it out there on Twitter or social media because somebody will come at you and not just with words but we're seeing what's happening right now in this country somebody will come up with weapons and take away your rights so we need to like know what we're talking about or we won't be able to talk at all right you know again watermelon woman groundbreaking film but you ain't done okay Mm, you've been in this industry grinding so what happened next well the watermelon woman opened the door part way and I squeezed through it 
Mm -hmm. um, ran with my partner at that time. I got a job at the Claremont Colleges, ended up out here in Los Angeles, in Pomona, mm -hmm. um, wondering, like, why am I here? I did not go to film school. Mm -hmm. I went to art school, as I said. Sure. So it took me a while to we, us to get our stuff together. To We moved to Silver Lake, Mount Washington. I start thinking about my next project, which is, again, I like to look at, I like to take a deep dive. Yeah. So I started looking at, and Angela Davis was running around at that time, it's late 90s, about women in prison. So I kind of followed that, uh, you know, Angela Davis bus. And then I also dug deep and looked at a slave narrative called Incidents in the Life of a Slave Girl by Harriet Jacobs. Mm. It was about a woman who escaped slavery. She hid herself in an attic for 10 years and then she had to look at her kids and then she escaped and then she got her kids to the north. So I was like, let me flip that. Let me put the prison narrative. Let me do what I need to do, make Dunye it up. And I ended up with Stranger Inside, <laughs> yeah. which was about a mother-daughter reunion set in a woman's correctional facility. Finally got some eyes to look on it, struggled because none of those independents wanted to do it. They've never heard of anything like this before. Mm -hmm. But HBO and, and, did. And you're out here like, I want to do this without do any this. qualms of the marketplace, None. which I love well, about I, you. I started my own, you know, basically with the Watermelon Woman, I started my own seed and spark trying mm -hmm. to raise money. And the credits go on forever. But I was like, I can do this. Yeah. So I got that going with HBO. Yolanda Ross, who plays the lead treasure, got a Gotham Award, and I got nominated for a Spirit Award. Mm -hmm. It brought the you know agents and managers on me, but I was out there pitching for two years. Yeah. All the kind of new projects I wanted to make, you know, let me just keep evolving. And this is late '90s, early 2000, and nobody was ready. They wanted. You know, the L word was out. Maybe you know Noah's Ark was out, mm -hmm. but they didn't. They couldn't see a feature. They couldn't see features in anything that I was doing. So I finally took what was up, which was an old Miramax Harvey um, <laughs> called My Baby's Daddy with Eddie Griffin, Anthony Anderson, Michael Imperioli, Method Man, yes. Bai Ling, yes. you know, Sklar Brothers. Throwing yep. a, that was a Miramax. Throwing everybody, throw the director and the project uh -huh. out as far away and then take control and play with them. So I made this, you know, hip hop comedy, which is great. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that's the one that I made as, as you would say for the peeps. Yes. 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 You know, straight up. Like one for them, one for you. One yeah. for them, for, mm -hmm. one for me. But the one for me was like, I don't even know if I want to do this. And mm. my life was falling apart. Kids love, you know, Alex and I, this and that ended up in Amsterdam for a couple of years, came back and the world was different. Yeah. It was completely different. And what year is this? This is 2007. Wow. So I was away for like 2004 to 2007 in Amsterdam, Dutch wife. Long story. I'm not going to go into it, but you can look Honey, it up you're online. Coming, you're coming back for a part I'm two. I'm coming it's back. Fine. I'm coming. I'm coming. Part two, three, four, and five. It's, it's, fine. it's It <laughs> won't stop. So, um, so when I came back, it was like analog to digital. The world had changed. You know, I had to figure I, – I learned at least um, that a lot more about story by living in Holland – going to like a film lab there and realizing that, you know, I still had stuff to tell. Mm -hmm. So I did this feature called The Owls that I made very shortly, very briefly. I, I made a feature in about 10 days with, yeah. with friends. That got me back to Berlin and in the film world again. And then I said, you know, I'm going to do what I always do, make short films during the summer. I was yeah. able to make um, Black is Blue. Yes. Now, Black is Blue is, a, I would say, is one of my fine pieces that I was able to make as a short about a black trans man living on the streets of Oakland. Mm. And did it in the Dunye Mentory. That's what I call the talking Dunye head. Dunye Mentory. You, know, you got to label yourself. It. I love it. it. Um, and people <laughs> were like, okay, we love it. You know, one award is a short. And I was like, okay, I want to, you know, make the feature, make the feature. So I've been 
working with Christina Anderson, a writing partner, and, and Mark Schmalowitz, my creative partner up there, expanding that into a feature. And Black, when in the, the short, uh, his name was Blue when he was a, a woman. And so it was mm. called Black is Blue and sort of dealing with it that oh, way. So I expanded then. Blue making her a black trans woman, black as the black gay, uh, trans man, living in Oakland, in Oakland 2025, dealing again, digging deep with gentrification, AI, and whatnot. And basically, it's a story of a, a love story between a black trans man and a black trans woman and an android living in Oakland in 2025. It's a thriller. I'm not going to go deep into the story right now. No, no, no. Keep keep us waiting, Yeah, I'm going to keep you waiting. Oh, my God. But all I can say (laughs) is off the record, the most well-known black trans woman actress to date that Uh we know, Orange is the New, not going to say, is playing, um, (gasps) is going to play Blue. Oh, my God. And we're going to, you know, shop that around. Thank you for, you know, tips on who to Honey, point my arrow to. Anytime, and I it's love. gonna blow up. So First that's gonna all, be next in my The time life. is so now for this. Right? I cannot wait. Mm-hmm. Where can people see the short anywhere? They can. Okay. Um I think it's on the same link with the Watermelon Woman. Okay. If you look online, twentieth anniversary edition of the Watermelon Woman, not the old one, you get a bonus of Black is Blue the Short. Oh, so exciting. that's out there. That's what I'm working on beyond doing episodics. Yep. So that opened the door for me too. I've been doing I did two episodes of Queen Sugar. I did Claws, The Fosters. Um, I'm about to do The Shy with Nina. I'm about yes. to do Star. I'm about to do... Um, oh, exciting. Uh, so we're out there. We're doing stuff. Hopefully I'll be doing some stuff with come you. On, come Bring on, it. come through. Um, and that's <laughs> the powerful thing. We are here telling stories. We're not just in front of the camera. We're in positions of power as writers, directors, and showrunners. Yep. And... Um, you know, it's it's possible. Yes. Just stick with it. Well, look, if you are sitting around twiddling your thumbs, I'm like, I don't know what to do. Here's the deal. Cheryl Dunye, okay, has done, did it. Dunye, long that's what they call me. <laughs> listen, long before there was a YouTube, honey, long before we had so, Like, you were out here in these streets with no qualms mm-hmm. telling your truth. If you can do it, anybody out there can do it. Um, I want to finish with some don't with with your don't at me. Mm, okay. And I, and, I, and listen, if you have something in your mind, I want you to go for it. But if you're in between things, I would love to hear any don't at me's about cinema, movies, the state of cinema, whatever. Give me your don't at me. Give me your don't at me for the week, Cheryl. Um, don't at me with black queerness started with Lena. Okay. Okay, who we all know and love. We all love And Lena, Lena. would be the first to tell you that. Right? Mm-hmm. Don't at me that uh, uh, black gay men haven't been telling stories since the, you know, since the beginning of storytelling. Mm-hmm. You know, don't at me with that I didn't exist. Don't at me with that I do exist and I make my own existence mm. and that we work together. Yes. Well, th- I love that you said that because when Lena got her MTV uh, award, she exactly. said, listen, if, if y'all ain't watching Paris is Burning and y'all here talking about Shade and Reed, you don't know what you're talking about. And I and I and and she would be the first to say that it didn't start with her. And I, I, I mean, I've, I've heard her say this stuff to before, too. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to, we are working together soon. So that's going to be really exciting. But, you know, don't at me that, you know, it, uh, like, Precious was the, you know, sort of uh, first story about a different bodied person mm-hmm. and, you know, written in a poetic style. Read the book. Yes. You know, don't at me if you have, you only look at images. And you don't read. Okay, you know, come on. You need to read. Reading is what 
you know, and, and fundamental, honey. Fundamental. Walk into a, a, a public library, pick that book that you want, but go to the stacks and look what you can find. That's the one thing you will be exploring like an innovator. That's like, beautiful. You know? And don't at me that, you know, Moonlight is the first black gay story that's ever told. Right. You know, I think that's where everybody, you know, gets stuck. That Moonlight was a collaboration between of many black gay stories. Yes. Um it, it was the it was the fruit of many, many, mm-hmm. many other trees. And again, Barry would be the first to say that, you know? Yep, yep. Barry would be the first. Oh, God. I don't want to end this conversation, but I have to. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for being here, Cheryl. I cannot wait to talk to you again, and I can't wait to work with you. Yes. And I can't wait to see your movie. All right. All right. Definitely. It'll probably be definitely around 20. We're all here. All right. I'm ready. My body is ready. (laughs) Embrace. Love. Love everyone. Thank you, Cheryl. Uh, You've been listening to Don't At Me with Justin Simeon, and uh, thanks for listening. Okay, I'd like to thank my very special guest, Cheryl Dunyer, producers Gina Delvac and Kara Hart. Special thanks to Vishnu Vallabhaneni. Our production engineers, Garrett Lang and Ray Warna, head of programming and my baby daddy, Gary Scott. Chris Bowers, of course, created our theme song, and this is Don't At Me with Justin Simeon. All right, now that the show is over, you can at me or think piece me, whatever you want. Just subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and leave a review. I'd love to hear from you. We'll be back next week with another episode of Don't At Me from the one and only KCRW.